Good morning, greetings in Jesus' name to each one. Wasn't quite sure what to share with you here this morning. Because I wasn't here last Sunday, and maybe you heard a Thanksgiving message last Sunday. Or maybe you were to the Thanksgiving uh, service and, and heard Mark preach about Thanksgiving. And that's good if you were. I trust all of you have had a, a great Thanksgiving. We have, we have so much to be thankful for. And I won't ask you to, to raise your hand, but have you been thankful lately for your Bible? How many of you believe the Bible? That's why we're here this morning, isn't it? We believe in, in, the, in the God of the Bible. We believe that, that in, in the Christ of the Bible. We believe in the plan of salvation that's revealed in the Bible. And everything else in the Bible. We believe this, the story of, of Noah and the flood. We believe the story of Daniel. We believe the story of the, the death and resurrection of Jesus. All of us have many books in our homes. But there's no other book like the Bible. And so this morning I hope to help you to have a, a renewed appreciation for the Bible. And I think we would all say it is true from, from cover to cover. That is, it, it is without error and it is absolutely perfect. But... Do you know why you believe that? Everything we believe either stands or falls on the, on the accuracy of the Bible. Therefore, it's imperative that we know why we believe what we believe about the Bible. It's for good for us to get to know our, our Bibles better. That's why we were encouraged to to read over our lessons, not just once, but several times is good. And more is better, right? <laughs> we need to know where it came from, why it can be trusted, and why it carries ultimate divine authority. And so I'd like for you to follow along in your Bibles this morning with me. You may turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. I'd like to begin reading at verse 14 and read to the end of the chapter. The title for the message is The Perfection of the Holy Scriptures. Let's begin reading at verse 14. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished, Unto all 
good works. A good word that, that describes the Bible is the word unique. The, the dictionary defines the word unique like this. Only one, being the only one of its kind, better than others, superior to all others, unusual, different from others in a way that makes something worthy of note. So yes, it's, it's unique. It's the only book of its kind in existence. Several features point out its uniqueness, and by way of introduction, I want to share those features with you. The Bible was written over a period of 1,500 years. The Bible was written by over 40 different authors. Among them were, were kings, military leaders, peasants, philosophers, fishermen, tax collectors, poets, statesmen, musicians, scholars, and shepherds. The Bible was, was written in many different places at many different times and by people experiencing many different moods. The Bible was written on, on three continents, Asia, Africa, and Europe. And the Bible was written in three different languages, Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic. The Bible was written with many different literacy styles. It's in poetry, historical narratives, romance, law, biography, parables, allegory, and prophecy. And the Bible addresses hundreds of difficult issues without a single contradiction. <clears throat> the Bible is a book of great diversity, yet in spite of this, it unfolds a single continuous story. And it does so without ever contradicting itself. The Bible has for its main character, God himself, main known through the person of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the Bible is, is a unique book. But this uniqueness was not accidental. It was purposeful. How can this be? The Bible achieves its uniqueness through a process known as inspiration. And I'd like for us to look at that together. Our text, verse 16, says that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And that means God breathed. If God has given His Word, delivered by His very breath, then it stands to reason that the Scripture He has given is absolutely perfect. To begin with, we want to look at the process of, of biblical inspiration. What process did God use to get his word into the hands of men? And there's three, three terms that we'll look at this morning. One is revelation. The first step in getting the word of God on paper is the process known as, as revelation. And this is the process where a man hears from the Lord... Just what the Lord wants written down. God used varying means to give his revelation. He spoke through angels. 
in Matthew 28 when the two Marys came to the sepulcher and the angel spoke to them. In Luke 1, when an angel spoke to Zacharias, he spoke through an, an audible voice. In Genesis 3, when the Lord came and spoke to Adam and Eve, in verse 8 it says they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And in Exodus 20, when God gave the Ten Commandments. In Joshua 1, after Moses had died, the Lord spake unto Joshua. He spoke in a still small voice in 1 Kings where the Lord spoke to Elijah in a still small voice. And he spoke through nature. In Psalm 19, verse 1, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. He spoke through animals. In Numbers 22, where the donkey spoke to Balaam. He spoke in dreams. In Genesis 28, Jacob dreamed about a, about a ladder that reached to heaven, and, and he saw the angels of God ascending and descending on it. In Matthew 2, 19, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph. He also spoke through visions. In Isaiah 6, he saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. In Daniel 7, Daniel had some, had some interesting visions. In Acts 16, Paul had a vision in the night to... To go to Macedonia, we don't know the exact process by which God spoke to the original authors, but we have God's word on the fact that, that he did. 2 Peter 1 verse 21 says, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So, Revelation is, is God telling a man what he wants written down. The second step in the process is inspiration. This is a man writing on, on paper what God has told him to say. And as we've already seen, this process is said to be God-breathed. The Bible clearly claims inspiration for itself. Verse 17 here in 2 Timothy 3 says that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And in 2 Peter 1 verse 20 says, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. And in Hebrews 1 1 it says, God who at sundry times and in divers manners spake, spoke in times past unto the fathers by the prophets. Paul believed his writings were inspired. In 1 Corinthians 15, 3, Paul says, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 15, he starts out this verse, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. Peter also believed his writings to be, be inspired. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 2, that ye may be mindful of the word which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostle of the Lord and Savior. Then going down to verse 15, Peter believed the writings of Paul to be inspired. He says in verse 15, an account that the long 
that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul also, according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. Somehow God superintended the process of, of getting his word into a man and then through that man onto paper. Inspiration has been defined as God's superintendence of the human author so that using their own individual personalities they composed and recorded without error his revelation to man. It's also the... Well, I'll go come back to that. The question comes, how did he do this? Well, there are many different views. We believe in, in the verbal, plenary inspiration of the Bible. And this simply means we believe that, that all, the plenary, the very words the, which are, were verbal of the Bible are inspired. And this is, the claim of, this is the claim of the Bible. In 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. In John 6.63, it says, It is the Spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. What this means is that, that God gave His Word to human authors. But he did not override their personalities. He did, however, guide their choice of words when they had written down all that God had given them in his revelation. They had produced a perfectly inspired record of God's revelation. God breathed his word through human vessels giving the world a perfectly inspired statement of his word to men. The third process is and getting the word of God to men is a process known as illumination. This is the process by which God uses the inspired written record of his revelation to speak to the hearts of the individual people. This is when the, the Holy Spirit causes the light to come on in the human heart and men see themselves as they are and Jesus as the need of their heart. It's also the process where the Spirit of God allows us to, to understand the truth of the Word of God. And therefore, the cycle of inspiration is, is complete. And since inspiration is our topic this morning, we'll leave the subject of illumination until a later time. Next, we'll look at the proofs of biblical inspiration. Now that we have an idea of what inspiration is, how can we be sure that our Bibles are genuinely inspired by God? The bottom line is that it does come down to faith. But faith is never a blind leap in the dark. Our faith can rest not just in the fact that God personally breathed His Word through men, but that His Word will stand up to several important tests as to its perfection. And so I'll share a few of those with you. It passes the historical and archaeological tests. For many years, people, people laughed at Bible believers because the Bible referred to, to places, people, and events that had no basis in recorded history. However, through the, through the good grace of God, He has allowed 
the archaeologist spade to un uncover many items from the ancient past that confirm the factual nature of the Word of God. Not a single piece of evidence had ever surfaced that contradicts the Bible at any point. For many years, men said that a place called Ur of the Chaldees never existed. And then proof was discovered that, that proved it did. The history of, of Joseph's rule in Egypt was, was confirmed by a tablet found in Yemen. It seems that a, a clay tablet was, was found in the tomb of a rich woman who recorded her efforts to buy grain from a man named Joseph in a land called Egypt. Brick in Egypt have been found that were made without straw. The death of Jesus had been proven to be a historical fact. And well, the, the list could just go on and on. This kind of accuracy is, is something that no other religious text in existence can claim. And so the Bible can be trusted. It passes the scientific test. Others have, have mocked the Bible and claimed that it was inaccurate in, in measures of science. However, however, time has once again vindicated the accuracy of the message of the Bible. In Isaiah 40, verse 22, it says, It is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth, and the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers. Man discovered this in the 5th fifth, fifth century. The Bible says the earth is suspended in space. Job 26, 7 says, He stretcheth out the north over the empty place and hangeth the earth upon nothing. And Sir Isaac Newton discovered this in 1687. The Bible claims the number of the stars is innumerable in Genesis 15.5. The Lord is talking to, to Abram. He says, look now toward heaven and, and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, so shall thy seed be. Abraham could only see probably around 300 stars in his day. Now because of of strong telescopes, we know that there are trillions of stars in the, in the heavens. The Bible contains rules regarding medicine and sanitation that were years ahead of their time. And so, yes, the Bible can be trusted. It also passes the prophecy test. There are many prophetic predictions made in the Bible. Some of these prophecies are, are quite dramatic in nature. For instance, Isaiah mentions Cyrus, the Persian king, by name 125 years before he was born. Not a single prophecy in the Bible has ever failed or will ever fail to come to pass. And some of those most remarkable are those related to the Lord Jesus Christ. In Micah 5, 2, the prophecy of the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. In Isaiah 43, he would be preceded by a forerunner. He would enter Jerusalem on a colt, and we find that in Zechariah 9.9. And Jesus entered Jerusalem on the exact day Daniel 
had prophesied hundreds of years earlier. Also in Zechariah 11:12, he would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. From Isaiah 56, he would be spit upon and beaten. In Isaiah 53, 7, he would be silent before his accusers. And in verse 12, he would be crucified with thieves. Psalm 22, 18, people would gamble for his garments. In Zechariah 12, 10, his side would be pierced. In Psalm 34, verse 20, not a bone in his body would be broken. In Psalm 16, 10, his body would not decay. In Isaiah 53, 9, he would be buried in the tomb of a rich man. And in Amos 8, 9, darkness would cover the earth. And someone calculated the odds of these few prophecies coming to pass as 1 in 480 billion times 1 billion times 1 trillion. And that's the number 480 followed by 30 zeros. And I don't know if you can comprehend that or not. I can't. But the odds aren't much different if we would fill the entire state of Texas with two feet of quarters and and someone would put an X on one of those quarters and throw it out there and then blindfold somebody and tell them to go find it. And yet we read in the New Testament how all that came to pass. And so yes, the Bible can be trusted. It passes the unity test. What God begins in Genesis, He ends in Revelation. And this is in, in spite of the fact that it took 1,500 years to, to write the Bible. It's the unfolding of a single story from beginning to end. And this could never be duplicated by, by any human work. It passes the honesty test. If this were merely a, a human book, it would gloss over the failures of the people found written, written in its pages. However, the Bible doesn't hide Samson's lust or David's adultery or Elijah's depression or, or Peter's denial. It tells the truth from cover to cover. So what we have in our hands is a, is a divinely inspired Bible. Thirdly, we want to look at the product of biblical inspiration. If we accept the Bible as the inspired Word of God, what does that teach us? What can we take away from this? Well, we are left with three precious truths that must never be taken for granted. The Bible is infallible. This word means that the Scriptures are incapable of failing. Everything the Bible says is truth, and all its promises will come to pass. The Scriptures are a perfect revelation of, of the mind of God to man. The Bible is inerrant. By this we mean that it is free of error. The teachings are in perfect accord with the truth. When people say that that the Bible contains mistakes. They are calling the very character of God into question. And we are told that God simply cannot tell a lie. The Bible is complete. 
When the Apostle John laid down his pen at the end of Revelation, the Revelation in the Scriptures was perfect and fully complete. There has not been a single inspired word, word since that time, and there never will be. This book will never go outdated or need to be rewritten. God put everything we need in this, in this book for us to, to make it to heaven. It will never need to be amended or corrected. It is complete. And so when you read your Bible, you're reading the very words of God. You and I have had the Bible from little up in our homes. And I'm afraid too often we take it for granted. The Bible is what we base our faith on. We can trust our eternity to it. And maybe it seems a little elementary, but when I think of how it affects my destiny, it looks rather important. It has, the, it has the solution to all of man's problems. So don't neglect it. There's not another book in, in your library that, that is more important than, than this book. We have certainly been blessed to, to openly read and study and carry and have a Bible. And so I trust that you'll have a, a renewed appreciation for, for the Bible and also for the freedom that, that we enjoy here to openly carry, read, and, and study the Bible together because there may come a day when we may not have that opportunity. Things could change. But until then, let's be, let's be busy learning all we can from the one who loves us, who cares about us, and has made a way for His Word to, to get to each of us. Shall we have a song?